Good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day to all your mothers out here. And would the mothers please stand up all, if you're expecting or if you've already had children. Come on, stand up. We want to see who you are. There we go. Awesome. Awesome. All right. I hope you have a great day. I hope your kids will treat you right. Uh, today is Mother's Day, and uh, I was talking with Denise a little bit. Uh, I found out that the um, kids' ministry is studying Yochebed, uh, which is um, Moses' mother. And she, uh, she, there's only, she's only mentioned twice in the Bible. And so, uh, so what I did was, uh, I, Denise says, maybe you ought to talk about that. Because I, given it the last minute, I'm thinking, what am I going to prepare here uh, for on Mother's Day at the last minute? And um, God's been good to me. And so... Uh, if you've got kids in the back learning about the mother of Moses, you're going to learn about the mother of Moses as well, and you're going to have something to talk about during lunch. Won't that be nice? You can ask them some questions, and they can ask you some questions, and maybe you'll be able to answer them. By the way, congratulations to the adults. Uh, you beat the kids last week in Battle of the Brains, or two weeks ago, was it, in Battle of the Brains? By, by one point, one point. And there is some controversy as to whether or not you really should have got that one point. Um, I, I don't know. They're rolling the videotape. And, but um, the kids will be ready next year. Um, there was a, a, a teacher one time stood in front of her second class uh, kids and said, listen, we're going to learn about the magnet. So they learned all the things about the magnet. Well, the next day it was followed by a quiz. And the quiz uh, just had a simple question. And it's, it went like this. It goes, my full name has six letters. Their first one is M. I pick up things. What am I? Fifty percent of the students said mothers. They, they were sure it was mom they were talking about. Isn't that something? You know, I I read a quote uh, this week that um, mothers, a worried mother, does better investigating than the FBI. And I think there might be some truth in that, okay? I've got a few pictures I want to show you I found on the Internet. I just don't know if you'll appreciate these. Mother, noun, one person who does the work of 20 for free. See also masochist, loony, and saint. I mean, I thought, wow. Did you get a Mother's Day card yet? Well, here's a few ideas, maybe, if you're thinking of Mother's Day cards. Let's see one here. I love having a picky eater and making more than one meal at dinner time. Said, no mom, ever. Here's another one. I'm your mother. Your argument is invalid. I thought about sending that to my mom. That's, that's true. Your mega meltdown tantrum fit totally changed my mind. Said, no mom, ever. <laughs> And, oh, look at this one. Mommy, I'm sorry you're sick. Just kidding. I don't care. (laughs) You know, I think about my grandson, Meyer, who just, you know, just a week or so old now, and and he don't care. Just take care of me, Mommy, you know. Got a good mom. Good mom. I don't, like I say, when we talk about mothers and we think about uh, Mother's Day, I don't know of any woman that has had more impact on my life than my grandmother, my mother and the mother of my two sons. What is it about a mom? It's, it, it, what do they say? The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Well, maybe God rules the world, but the hand that rocks the cradle is very close to the throne of God. There's just something about a mother's influence. Mom changes history. If you want to, want to lift up a nation or, or, or somehow destroy a nation, all you have to do is find a way to influence the motherhood of this nation or any nation, and it makes a big difference. Like I said, today the kids are learning about the mother of Moses. Her name is Jochebed. I, uh, I thought it was called Jochebed, and here all this time, and I finally I looked it up in the Hebrew, and it means Jochebed. It's only mentioned, by the way, twice in the Bible. Her name is only mentioned specifically twice. Here's one of those passages up on the screen. It says, Amram's wife was named Jochebed, she was from the tribe of Levi. She was born in Egypt. She and Amram had two sons, Aaron and Moses, and their sister Miriam. Now I want you to look at that passage for a minute. Look at the all-stars that this woman raised. These are three big, big guns in the Bible. Aaron, Miriam, and Moses. Her name means, her name means God's glory or God's honor. And like any good mom... That's what she did. She gave honor to God. 
She honored God with her life. She gave glory to God. And she raised three fantastic kids. Now, I want, to, want you to see something as we're getting into this, this, this idea of Yochebed and what can we learn from her. It was the worst time to get pregnant during this time. If you've got a Bible and you want to turn over to Exodus 1, or if you've got a cell phone, you download Exodus 1, you're going to find that it's the worst time. You see, the nation of Israel had grown from 70, a family of 70, to over a million. And it was very peaceful during that time. But the, but the world of God's people was about to get turned on its ear. It was about to go sideways. For as you read Exodus 1, you find that a new Pharaoh takes office. Now, he's not, from, he's not uh, from a family line that knew the life of Joseph, who saved Israel at one time. No, he's, I think it's from the Hoskes dynasty, or from a different family line, that this, this Pharaoh takes, uh, takes the throne. And the Bible says he knew nothing of Joseph. What he really means is he had no respect for the memory of Joseph. He could care less. But he did care about something. What he noticed was there were Israelites that were everywhere in Egypt. Everywhere you turned, you found a Hebrew. And that concerned him and the rest of the nation. In fact, he, he was so concerned about it that he, he told the people, Listen, um, there's, these Israelites are everywhere. There's so many of them. We need to really do something about this. Because if war were to break out, would these people fight with us? What if they decided to fight against us? And so you pick up in Exodus 1, verses 11 through 14, they make this decision. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pethom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they, 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 oppressed, they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. That means that they couldn't stand them. And they worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. So they decided, let's, put, let's make these people slaves. And so they enslave these over a million Hebrews. And they, and they treat them awful. And they think, by doing that, we'll exhaust them, we'll, we'll oppress them, they'll quit having children. But it seemed the more they oppressed them, the more kids they had. In fact, they had so many kids, Pharaoh decides to do something else. In verse 16, the Bible says, Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. He's telling, all you Egyptians need to pay attention to this. It's very important we get through this together. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Sounds like Herod, doesn't it? During the time of birth of Jesus. And so here, here this Pharaoh says, you know, the way we're going to stop this is we're just going to get rid of the males. So every Hebrew boy that's born, you, all, the, all you Egyptians, be looking for that. So you can imagine the culture now. People are watching the, the Hebrews very closely. Hey, is she showing? Is she pregnant? She looks like she's showing. Put her name down. We'll check up on her later. Man, she looks like she's about ready to give birth. Somebody better really keep a close eye on her. And here is Jochebed, and she's pregnant, and she's showing, and, and her name's on the list. And so they're watching her very closely. This is the culture she's living in. The penalty for breaking this edict by the Pharaoh is death or mutilation. So if you help a Hebrew woman... You're going to get in trouble. And if you are a Hebrew woman and you let this child live and you don't hand him over to be thrown into the Nile, you could be killed or worse yet, mutilated so much you could never have children again. So what does a mom do? What does a mom do in this ungodly culture? That's why today, you know, I've got uh, raising godly kids in an ungodly world. Uh, you, could, you could, by the way, put a line through that or leave it there. There's another title of this lesson. How to live godly in an ungodly world. How about that? Because I know you might say, well, I don't have any kids. So how's this lesson apply to me? Well, how about that? Because that's what Yochebed does. She lives this godly life in the most ungodly conditions. And she raises three spiritual champions in the process. Let's pick up what happens. What does she do? Exodus 2, 
verses 1 through 10. It'll be up here on the screen if you'd like to read along, or you can read it on your own. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, by the way, you say fine child. What parent doesn't say that? Oh, I've got a fine child here. You might get that impression. We'll talk about that a little bit later. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. When Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were were walking along the river bank, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. Mm, a female slave. That has to be a Hebrew because Hebrews were slaves. Who, the, who could this be? She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Ah, so the servant girl is Miriam. Asked Pharaoh's daughter, after this question, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I'll pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Now what do we learn here? What, what can we learn here on Mother's Day? How can I raise godly kids in such an ungodly world? How can I live a godly life in such an ungodly place? It's a mother that teaches us this, these secrets. Amen? It's a mother that says, let me tell you what you do, Tim. Let me tell you what you do, Greater Alton. You want to raise godly kids? You want to be godly? And... And by the way, guys, if you, if you aren't reading the news, watching the news, listening to the news, whatever, I mean, this world is going crazy, isn't it? What are we going to do election day? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? This world is changing. It's getting more hostile toward Christians. It's getting more hostile. My mother and I, I talked to my mom yesterday. I, I'm going to call her today, too, but I talked to her Friday. And I was between uh, putting in glass. And I said, Mom, I said, how you doing? She goes, fine. She goes, you know, Tim, I've been thinking. We're so blessed. I've been reading Revelation. We're so blessed. We don't have anybody trying to behead us. And I went, yet. Huh? Yet. The world's getting hostile. The world's getting more complicated, more ungodly. How do I raise kids? How do I live a godly life? See, as a church, not just as you moms, by the way, a lot of you know this is true. You live this. You, you know it's important to raise godly kids. And dads, I know some of you, yes, we know. But you know the rest of us that maybe don't have kids right now? We have impact on children. Our church has impact on kids. And we all need to be on the same page if we want to raise godly kids. Because I'll tell you right now, today in today's world, parents need help from their church. It's not the answer. Not the only answer, but they sure need a lot of help from us. So whether you have a kid or not, you're not off the hook this morning is what I'm trying to say. All right? We're all responsible. We create the atmosphere wherever we are to raise spiritual champions. So how do I do that? How do I raise godly kids? How do I live a godly life in such an ungodly place? Well, first, I face my fears with my faith in God. That's where it starts. That's what I noticed from this mom here. She faces her fears with her faith in God. Her faith in God is stronger than her fear of man. I've heard, been told you don't want to get between a bear and its cubs. I bet that's true with a mom and her ch- children. Am I right? You'd be surprised what mothers will do if you get in, the way, get in between them and their kids. They're liable to hurt you. But you know, I've got to admit, a lot of parents are afraid these days. A lot of people are just afraid these days. What do you mean, Tim? Well, some parents are afraid their children are going to get behind everybody else's kids. They want them up there in the lead. They, we worry about the financial security of our children. 
We worry about the kind of job they're going to have, the kind of education they're going to have, who they're going to marry. We, we worry things like about their health. Will they get into drugs? Will they get into trouble? Will they be happy? I don't, I don't know a parent alive that doesn't think those things. Are these real, real fears? Absolutely. And how do we meet them in, in such a world that, that tries to appease to some of these things and lead our kids into some of the most destructive habits and, and destructive uh, ways that known to man? We meet it with faith in God. We meet it with faith in God. Listen, Jochebed is afraid. She's afraid somebody's going to kill her child. She's afraid she could be killed. But there's something that's keeping her from being terrorized by it. And that's her faith in God. Her faith in God is stronger than her fear. She's full of faith. Look what it says in Hebrews 11 here. In the hall of fame of faith, she's mentioned, but not by name. But we get it. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. They hid a kid for three months. Now, I, I've never hid a newborn. I was talking to Brian yesterday. I said, Brian, can you imagine hiding Meyer for three months? How would that go? You would try to hide this from your neighbors and hide this from your friends. Do you think it could be done? She goes, no way. Are you sure? Think how hard it would be. I mean, he's quiet right now. Yeah, but give him a couple of weeks, Tim. He's go- and by the way, he's starting to move around. He's starting to get you know accustomed to the environment. And any time he's going to start going and crying, and shh, that's going to start happening, right? He's going to get fussy. He's going to get the colic. You know, who knows? He'll get sick. I mean. Jacobet is, is, is dealing with all of these issues for three months and she's hiding this child. She hides the child instead of giving it up. She has a respect for life. Amen. And, and she's not afraid of some king's threats, but it's the Pharaoh. It's the big kahuna. He's the leader of the pack. And you're not afraid of what he, you could break his law. You could be, I don't care. I'm not afraid of him. How's that, how's that possible? How can you not be afraid of this man? Because I have faith in God. I fear God more than I do Him. I respect God more than I do Him. I care about what God wants more than about about some man wants. Wow. Wow. I mean, look at him. I can just see her going, look at him, Tim. He's beautiful. He's no ordinary kid. Now, I don't know about you, but isn't every baby precious? Beautiful. Good looking. Remember Seinfeld when Kramer went to see the kid? And he does that, you know? Oh, let's look at the baby. We're going to go see the baby. Oh, what's, what's the big deal about the baby? Oh, the baby isn't that, you know. What are you talking about? And he walks up. He's hideous. <laughs> you know? No, every parent says, the most beautiful thing in the world. He's smart. He's talented. I mean, that's what parents do, right? Yeah and no. Yes, they think their kid is the smartest. You know, my, grand, my granddaughter, Carmody, knows the alphabet. Already knows the alphabet. I can't believe it. Knows her colors. I mean, she's setting the bar high for everybody else, and the, the ones that are follow, following. Nora's over there. She's, you know, she's a few months behind. You know, she's trying. She's kind of, you know, what about that? What is that? Is that a word, Nora? What is it? you doing? Okay, you've done good Godzilla imitation there. I like it. But Carmody is, man. And, and then, you know, Nora comes up and gives me a hug. And Nora says, she plays and she's learning and she gets into, she's curious. Oh, the most curious kid you've ever seen. She's going to go far because she's not afraid to learn. You know, every parent, every grandparent, we pop with pride. They can jump. They can run. Look at the talent on that soccer field. Down the side! Down the side! Yeah, he scored a goal. I remember when Matthew scored a goal for the fire ants. It was raining. It was cold. And he, it, and I'm in the truck watching this with my video camera. All the other dads are on the sidelines soaking wet. I'm in the truck. And he scores his first goal, and I'm in the truck. 
And all of his dads are high-fiving him. And the buttons, I hear them pop, pop, pop right off my shirt. Now what I just described for you is not faith in God, that's faith in a child. Am I right? That's faith in my child. They're going to go far. They're going to be smart. Oh, I know Meyer's going to be a terror on the soccer field. You just know it. I mean, look at the size of those feet. You just know it. That's faith in a child. So yes, parents, I expect, and, and you know, oh, he's no ordinary child. He, he's special. Well, I expect you, Yochabed, to say that. I expect you, Amron, to say that. You're the mom and dad. But that's not really what he's, they're meaning by some ordinary child. She sees him not just her faith in her son, but her faith in God. Her faith in God helps her see her children in such a, in a much better way. And I want to ask you, you know, what about your faith in God? What does your faith in God help you see in your children, in the children around you, in the children you teach? You see, Yochabed sees Moses being used by God. He is special. He stands out and God's going to use him. God's going to use him in a special way. That's what she believes. He's not just any child. He's not just my child. He is God's child. And because he's God's child, God's going to use him. What a plan. What a purpose. And so because of that, she will sacrifice her life, just like the mother with the piece of pie. She will go without without safety, to see her son, her children, be used by God. I want to tell you, what an awesome attitude to have as a parent, huh? What an incredible attitude to have as a Christian and a member of God's family. And we look at younger kids, that I'm a part of a family that's raising spiritual champions, that is raising godly kids, and I have a stake in it. And when I begin to look at the potential of children through my faith, oh my, will I do anything to make sure my kids grow up being used by God the way He meant them to be used? Guys, listen to me. Listen, church. My two sons are not mine. They belong to the Lord Children belong to the Lord. They happen to be on loan to you and I. And that's, that's Jacobed's attitude. She's like, you know what? These are God's kids. And I'm going to honor, and her name means to honor God, to glorify God. And I'm going to honor Him and glorify Him by lifting up the children around me to be more godly, you see, God's, God's plan is bigger than the education and the occupation and the personal accomplishments of children, of our children. My kid does this. My kid graduated here. Yochebed says, my kid was used by God. My child was used by God, created to be used for his purpose and plan. It's very important we get this. I hope you get this. God's plan for your child is different than God's plan for you. It's probably different. Will you be the parents and the friends, the uncles, the aunts, the grandparents that will make sure, that will do things to ensure that they fulfill the plan God has for them? I was telling, I was telling Brian, we were sitting there, she's holding Meyer, you know, he's such a helpless little kid, you know, and I go, Brian, do you know God could take him home any second, any moment? She starts tearing up. I said, I'm not saying it to scare you. I'm saying any moment. Would you be okay with that? Because he belongs to God. The day he was born, where Denise and I hover around, we're the last to leave, and we pray together. And as she's holding my grandson, and I just thank God for my daughter-in-law's giving me children. Nathan and Nicole are expecting too, by the way. So 
Um, there's a great photograph. I don't know if you've got it on Facebook yet. Okay, you've got to see it. Nora's in the, in the baby crib going. And it says, eviction notice, December 2nd or 6th or something like that, right? December 2016. Yeah, so this, they're expecting a, a baby in December. I just And I do. Every time I tell my, I tell Breen, I tell uh, Nicole, thank you so much for giving me grandkids. I love them. I could eat them up. They're so good. Uh, but I know they're God's. They're God's. What if God wants to use them for just a few months and take them? What if God wants to use them for 80 years and take them? Well, I'd be all right with that. I want to be. We need to be. See it? How do I, how do I, how do I deal with that fear then? My faith in God. And that's who Jacobet is. She has this great, great fear, uh, great faith in God. See, it takes courage. It takes a lot of courage to raise a godly family. You know, when you follow God, it goes against the grain of our culture. It goes against the grain of your culture, the values of your friend, some of your friends, and, and some of your, even some of your own family don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. It's people, pressures, and pleasure that all begin to challenge your decision to follow Christ as a Christian. And it's all the time. And it, guys, it'll put you in fearful situations, in fearful predicaments, and, and facing fearful choices in life. But you've got to choose them. We've got to be, we've got to have the guts. We've got to have the faith to choose to do what God wants. J- Joshua was this kind of guy. I, I, in Joshua 24, when you read the, the previous verses, Joshua is saying, look, you can choose. If you want to serve the, the gods in Egypt, he goes, remember those gods we had in Egypt? You want to serve them? If that's what you want to do, I, okay, you know, you get to choose. But then he says these words in, in, in chapter 24, verse 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, because he encouraged them, serve the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of Israel, the God of Israel. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today. You can, just, you can just hear his frustration. Just choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? That's Egypt. Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live now? You know, I learned something from this passage. The gods are everywhere. Gods are everywhere. You can't, get, you can't get away from these false gods. You can't get away from these gods that are jockeying position and trying to get first in your life. You, you can, listen, nothing against it. You can homeschool your kids and the gods are there. You can move away. The gods will be, they'll be, they're already there waiting for you. They've already set up shop. And Joshua says, you can either serve the gods that we used in Egypt or where they are now. Then he says, but as for me, let me tell you the choice I'm making. What a, what a guy. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That's, I'm telling you, that's drawing a line in the sand. Parents, some of you parents... You need to draw a line in the sand. Make it real clear to God, to Satan, to everybody around you. We're going to have, we're serving the Lord. Isn't it interesting that Joshua, who was mentored by Moses since he was knee high, it's Moses that mentored this man. I wonder if this, as for me and my family, will serve the Lord. If that was a mantra of Jacobed. That Moses passes that value on to Joshua. I just wonder. See, it takes great faith to raise a godly family. It takes great faith to be godly in an ungodly place. But there's something else I learned from this mom. And that is this. I, make, I must make the spiritual life of my children the most important. There's probably a better way to say it, but I didn't have time to clean that one up. That the spiritual life, a relationship with God, should be the most important relationship in the lives of my children. 
lot of parents worry about, Do my, will my kids like me? You better worry about, will your kids love God? That's what's going to save them. See, having a relationship with God changes everything, doesn't it? It becomes a spiritual life, a life saturated with the spiritual, with what God wants. You know, when I got married, years and years ago, I've known Denise over over 40 years. Wow, that's a long time to know somebody. Not that I don't enjoy it, okay? I enjoy it. I'm just saying, that's a long time to know someone. I remember we dated five years. And then we get married. And when we got married, when we got married, um, it changed everything. I'm a man. And I had no idea. I remember I went out and got a hamburger or a pizza with some of my buddies one night. We'd just been married a few months. I come home. She's mascara's running. Where you been? I go, I've been out with my buddies, out with the guys. You know, went out and had a burger. I'm home now. Why didn't you call me? Huh? I need a call? I'm like, what did I do? What did I do? What am I doing wrong? I'm a man. That's the first strike against me. <laughs> Secondly, I'm a married man. Second strike against me. I'm a young married man. I'm striking out. I have no idea what... I, I, I never thought about it. See, I'm used to me and, you know, doing my thing. And getting married was just okay. And it was, it hit, I didn't realize how much that was going to change. Now it's... And by the way, this is before cell phones and pagers. You had to go find a pay phone or borrow a phone, you know, some, some place, you know, and call. It hit me. Oh, wow, this, my life has changed, drastically changed. This relationship changes everything. I can't think of just about myself anymore. I've got to think about everybody. I've got to think about her, what she wants. And see, and the Bible compares my relationship with God to marriage. It changes everything. It changes everything. My life now is about everything I say and everything I do with God in mind, with what God would want. You see, my relationship with God, when, when, you, when you became a Christian, when I became a Christian, I hope we understand something here. That when we became a Christian, God restored the original life He designed. Think about that. When I became a Christian, if you're a Christian, you become a Christian, God is now in the process of restoring the original arrangement and life that He designed. Like Adam, you walk with God and everything is spiritual. Everything in, in a physical world, everything is spiritual. Look at these words of Moses here in Deuteronomy 6. He says these words to the people of Israel, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Always remember these commands that I give you today. Be sure to teach them to your children. Would you underline that? Then look what... And then he, then he explains what he means by how you do this. Talk about these commands when you sit in your house, when you walk on the road. Talk about them when you lie down and when you get up. He goes on to say, wear them as symbols on your hands and on your head. Write them on your house, on your doorpost. I had a friend, I told you before, who used to have a chalkboard at his house and you walk in and he'd have a scripture there. And I remember as a kid walking in, every time I'd walk in, I'd look at that chalkboard to see, did he change the scripture? And I'd read things like, this is the day the Lord has made, or see God's kingdom first. I'd read those kind of verses and go, wow, where did he get these verses? He'd, he'd cite them. And he had no idea I was looking. Or maybe he did. Because kids are just curious. And I'm watching. And I'm learning. Moses says, look, I've got something that's so important. I've got to tell you. What is it? Well, I want you to love God with, all, with everything you got. All your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want you to pass this on. To your kids, everything I've said, all of the commands. I want you to wear them 
write them. Write, I, I'm trying to think, could he be reminiscing about how it was with his mother and how she raised him? That she saw in, her, in his mother this I'm all in life? My, I could see most saying, you know, my mother loved God with all of her heart, all of her soul, all of her, everything she had, all of her strength. Everything was about honoring God. Everything was about lifting God, glorifying God. She talked about it nonstop. As soon as we get up, she'd start talking about the Lord. And it, was the, it would be the first thought of the day and the last thought of the day. When you get up and when you go to bed. In our house, I could just see him describing. Let me tell you what it's like in my house, Tim. What's it like? My mother, she would talk about the Lord all the time. Spiritual was woven into everything. Everything that went on in the house. She didn't miss a trick. She'd find ways to weave in discussion. When I was in the palace, she would make clothing and send it with my sister. And I'd be getting ready to go to bed. I'd put it on. I'd look. and What's this? There's a scripture. As for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. If I, when I would visit, I'd go home and visit, I noticed above the house there would be a, a passage about the Lord. I'd go inside. It was just everywhere. I remember uh, as a young man going to a youth rally in Memphis, and we stayed at this family's home. And as we're, we're talking and everything, and finally, there's no talking. It's quiet, a little an awkward moment of silence. And I hear music. And it's coming from their intercom system. They have an intercom speaker in every room of the house. And I go, what's this? Because, well, we play Christian music 24-7, just barely noticeable. Because we think it encourages us and our family. I thought, what a great idea. It's, and I remember lying there in bed. You could, you could barely hear it. And it was so encouraging. I think this is the home of Moses. He's got, this is constantly going on. And I want, what I want you to see here, you might say, well, that's a lot of work, Tim. That's a lot, that's a lot of work. That God is the main topic in home, at home. He's the main topic. And I want to tell you, it is a lot of work to raise spiritual-minded children. But if you ever, and I ever, start to complain about how hard it is, we need to remember that Jacobed raised Aaron, who was the first priest of Israel. She raised a preacher. Miriam, who was a poet... And a songwriter, her songs are recorded in the Bible. And Moses, who helped people get out of bondage, out of strongholds. And she did that. She raised these kids during a time of bitter slavery. And you think you got it tough? I think I got it tough. How do you do that? Yogabed, how do you do that? I do that because I have faith in God, Tim, and the spiritual matters to me that much. It matters more than anything to me. Because after I'm gone, it's not how high Moses can jump or how smart he can recite things. It's going to be his relationship with God that's going to help him survive in such an ungodly place. And I just noticed, you know, Moses is making it clear that raising godly kids, living a godly life starts with me in my house. I have nothing, listen, I have nothing against the kids' ministry. I eat, drink, sleep children's ministry to this day. I'm going to be directing church camp for, little, for the little kids, and I cannot wait. It's the best week ever as far as I'm concerned. I love teenagers, and I've got nothing against the teen ministry here. 
And I, and I love our campus ministry. I, I have nothing against the young men and women that are part of our campus ministry. But I want you to know what happens at home. What happens at home is what's making the impact on our children. What's happening in your house, in my house, because that's who we really are when no one's looking. That, church, that matters. I talked to a couple one time blaming the church for the way their teenager was. I said, you know what? could be what's going on at home. What are you saying? What are you trying to say? So I'm just trying to say that what goes on at home for hours, 24 hours, you know, whatever, the hours, the time that's at home, you know, you can't expect us to undo in an hour or two. You know, the church is here to help. Amen? We're here to help. But what goes on in my home is what shapes my my children. I look at my sons. I watch how they treat their their wives. And they treat their wives a lot like the way I treat Denise. And some of that's good. And I'm sorry to tell you, some of it's bad. And I have to go up to them occasionally out of weakness and say, Hey, you learned that wrong, buddy. I messed up there. It wasn't the youth group that taught them. They helped, but it wasn't the youth group. It wasn't that week at camp. It helps. Oh, it helps. But what's going on at home? What's going on in the family? Let's broaden it out just a little bit more. What's going on in God's family? It determines a lot about whether we as a people are going to raise godly kids. It starts with me. It starts with my heart, my soul, my strength. See, I'm passing on. I'm passing on my spiritual values to my kids. I'm passing on spiritual values to children. That's a fact. Look what it says here in First Timothy. Paul, he's, he, tells, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm persuaded also lives in you. And I want to say something here. And for years, for years, I've watched parents, I've watched grandparents in their effort and their attempt to make some margin in their life. The first thing they cut out are spiritual things. They cut out spiritual stuff. And I want you to know for years I've said, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a foolish thing to do. And I want you to know I still believe that. But I also believe something else. That we need to add the spiritual into everything. I want you to know, I've, I've, I've realized, cutting out spiritual activity for my kid, well, they can't make it to this, they can't go to that, it's a conflict with another camp, a cheerleading camp, basketball camp. You know, that may not be as a big a deal if you are spiritual and everything else, if you're making it spiritual everywhere else. But if you're not making it spiritual everywhere else, cutting out spiritual stuff, you know, you, because you didn't obey me, you're not going to be able to go to youth group tonight. Humbly as I can tell you, that's so foolish. What are you thinking? You know, I know a lot of times I sent my kids and, and dropped a line to Mike. Mike, yeah, make it tough on them. Confront it, help me. I mean, I, why not use an ally? But, I, but I've also learned something else. I need to add a spiritual, el- the spiritual element into everything. You say, what are you talking about? Well, again, back to that Deuteronomy 6. He says, in your home, it starts there. And when you're walking around, parents, when you're with your kids at restaurants, you don't get your way, the food's too cold, how do you, how do you act? How do you conduct yourself? When somebody's cutting you off in traffic, when you're out walking around, driving around, how do you act? What's your conduct like? Somebody cuts you off in traffic. When you don't get your way, how do they see how you interact with the rest of, of the, pagan, the, the pagan world? You see, they, they learn from that as well. They see that. So bring the spiritual there. Bring the spiritual into that. And make it the first and last thought of your day. Just, I mean, just saturate 
your home, your family, your life with the spiritual. Because when you do that, it helps, it helps children recognize their purpose and God's plan. Now here's the last thing. I learned from Jacobet, what a mother. And that is, I must trust God's providence. If I want to raise kids, godly kids, in an ungodly world, if I want to live a godly life in an ungodly world, I'm going to have to learn to trust God's providence. What is that, Tim? Well, I guess you'd say it's when I, when I put my life and my kids into God's hands. When I trust God to work it out. Daniel 4, look at this passage up here. This is Daniel 4. It says, All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. Talking about God. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, What do you mean by doing these things? You can't stop God. You cannot stop God. He's going to do his will with or without you. You can plan against it. Pharaoh plans against God. He he plans, by the way, Satan is behind this because he knows if he can get rid of Moses, there's the lineage to Christ is cut off and that's then we lose all hope. But God thwarts the plans. He thwarts the plans. Of Pharaoh. Look, look at the, back up here to Exodus 2. Look what it says here. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, coated it with pitch, tar and pitch, and then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. It looks so easy. But moms, would it be difficult for you to put your child in a little boat you made and send it down the river, the Mississippi? I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that, Tim. That's what, that's what Jochebed does. She believes in God's capacity to take care of her kids. She trusts in divine, she believes in divine guidance so much that she trusts divine guidance and she believes God will work behind the scenes. And he, she believes in God's timing as well. Look at Acts 7 here. What an interesting, this is the Jubilee Bible. The only translation that translates this passage this way. When he was put in danger, Pharaoh's daughter took him in and nourished him as her own son. Hmm. When she put him, when he was put in danger, what's that mean? Well, other translations say when he was abandoned, when he was placed outside. Remember, he was hidden. Now he's brought outside into the open. When he's cast out, what's, what, what, what's the message here? When she trusts God and lets go, puts him out there in danger, outside of the home, outside of the, the safety of the house. She trusts God enough to let go of him. And I know from watching my mother and the mother of my two sons that that is not easy to do. I mean, just imagine, for a minute, imagine how hard that had to be. Okay, I'm, okay, I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm making this boat, and I'm going to let the current, I'm going to let go, and the current, I'm going to trust the Nile. Isn't this the river that all the babies are thrown in to die? I'm going to trust God to use the Nile to deliver my son now? Oh, boy. And she lets go. And there goes this boat. And, you know, it's, here it is. And there's a reed, it hits a reed, kind of does one of those. And, and finally gets caught in a place. Happens to be just where one of Pharaoh's daughters happens to be. Happens to be the Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's daughter that has, that has a Hebrew servant girl that happens to be the sister of Moses. Happens to be during bath time. And just as she opens it up, almost on cue... Oh, I mean, some of this stuff Jacobet has control with. 
but some of it she doesn't. Miriam's off by the, watching from a distance, watching with the boat. I just see her following along. You know, yesterday, Carmen and I are looking at a, a, a Bible, and it's got the flip windows, and under the reeds, we flip, and there's baby Moses. And then the reeds over here, there's Miriam. And I go, Carmody, you're Miriam, and Meyer is like baby Moses. You're the older sister taking care of your little brother. And she goes, brother. Just registering. You know, watching. God provides. God takes care of this. But, you know, Jacobet doesn't know that God can do this until she is willing to let go. What I mean by that is this. Instead of somebody having to take her child, she offers her child. And parents, I just want you to know, will it take some, does somebody have to take your child to make sure they're godly? Or will you just let go of them and trust the Lord here? But what if they get killed? What if they get hurt? I know there's a lot of letting go as parents. I've learned this over the years too. Mothers, you got it rough sometimes. you got to let go. Let go and let go. You know, you... <laughs> Look at it says here in Exodus 2 here. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter. What's going on? She's letting go again. She's letting go again. She's able to let go. You know, sometimes we just, parents, we've got to, I'm doing camp this year. You know, this will be my third year in a row, uh, Little Prairie. I was, did about a, a stretch of 10 years uh, in a row for a while. And then we did our own camp. Now we're back down there with our primary week kids. And here I'm doing And I noticed that the parents have more trouble letting go than the kids. You know, I'll go, okay, no cell phones. And there's always a camper. What do you got? I got a cell phone. How'd you get that? My mom gave it to me. You're not supposed to see it. Why do you mean? She doesn't want, she wants, she's keeping tabs on me. I don't want to talk to her. Then hang up. Click. The phone rings again. Hello? Hi, this is Mary. I just want to know how my daughter is. I go, yeah, why did you give her a phone? Well, you know, just want to make sure everything's good. Isn't modern technology wonderful? Click. (laughs) I watch parents, you know, and you say, but Tim, it is, and I, yes, it is hard to let go. Of course it's hard to let go. But when you're, listen, when, you're, when you have faith in God and the spiritual is important, you've made, that, you've made that the strategy of your life and your family, letting go is a part of that. It's letting your kid go to school. Do I have to say any more? You're letting them go to school. They have metal detectors now at school. You're letting them go to school. and you have to, You'll have to let them go to school. You'll have to let them go to camp or some, some lady going to let them go in a car with somebody and you don't even know if they're a good driver and then, you might, and then you have to let go of them when they go to college at least you hope you do and then some, some, some of us are going to let go when they go out on their own there's a preacher in Godfrey I pray with every Sunday morning. He has a daughter in New York City. Moved from here to New York City. Wants to be an artist. Uh, in broadcasting. Uh, all kinds of things. And she's in a, one of those little apartments with some friends that, you know, her dad has no clue who they are. You don't think we pray every Sunday about her? Letting go? But, you know, unless we can let go, our kids cannot discover God's plan sometimes. You know, we have to, God's plan is different for them. Are you able to let go? Because I've learned my children are not mine. They are the Lord's. Let me read this last passage to you, then we're going to be done. Then you can go have potato salad with your mommy. Okay, look at this passage here. The Lord is my strength and shield. David says these words. I trust Him with all my heart. He helps me. If you have trouble trusting God, if it's hard for you to trust God with your family, totally trust and say, look, I'm going to have a godly family. 
But it's hard to do that, Tim. I'm afraid if I do that, you know, they'll, maybe the kids will miss out. They're not going to miss out on the best stuff if they're godly, if you raise them godly, folks. And if it says, if you trust him, he will help you. So I know there's some parents here, you're having a hard time trusting God. You want to control it all. But somehow, Yochebed says, God's got to have control. And if you trust the Lord, He'll help you, and He'll fill your heart full of joy. In fact, you might find yourself bursting out in song. I just imagine Miriam coming home and Yochebed going, wasn't that fantastic? Look how, how God worked this one out. He goes, here I was worried about Moses and getting, being killed, and I, now i got a job. They're paying me to take care of the kid. What is that all about? Do you have a song, Miriam? You know, Mom, I just wrote up a song. Let's, why don't we, and I could just see it. I want to sing. And may God help you. Trust the Lord. Mom, thank you. Thank you for trusting the Lord. Thank you for trusting the Lord. If you need to trust God more, do it. Every uncle and aunt here, I want to tell you, you know what? Mother's Day should remind us we have a role to play in our kids' lives. Grandma, Grandpa, you have a role to play. Are you passing on faith? Will the greatest thing you pass on be some money and some heirlooms, or will it be a faith in God? I'm so glad my grandma pushed me to Jesus. I'm so glad my mom basically tied me up and sent me to church camp with a preacher's kid. I am so glad. So thankful. I'm so thankful that the mother of my two sons still will call them when she suspects something and say, You okay? Because I have this hunch. There's something going on. And they've told me privately, How does she know these things? The spirit unsettles and causes her to do that, I guess. May God bless you to trust Him. He will help you. And find true joy when you see your kids being godly in such an ungodly place. There's a card in your bulletin. It's a communication card. And if you'd like for prayers of the church, we have a team of people that pray. They take everything on these cards very seriously. And we want you to know if you you need some prayers, man, take advantage of that. If you're making a decision today, I pray you'll make a decision. You'll make a decision like Jacobed. And have this, this, just this deeper faith in God that, that will confront your fears. That you will take, a, take that risk. Maybe it's becoming a Christian. I need to take that step, Tim. Take it. Why not take it today? If there's any way, any way we can help you, man, put it on the card and we'll pray about it. And if you need a follow-up visit, ask for a follow-up visit and we'll, somebody will come by and talk with you. We're going to give you a chance to fill out those cards right now while we sing a song after I pray here. And then we're going to uh, sing another song, collect our contribution, our weekly contribution, and then send you on your way. May God bless you. May God bless you with the faith of Jacobed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wor- your word here, for the, for the mighty, powerful words in Exodus here, Father. I pray, Father, that we'll, that we'll be encouraged by the mother of Moses here this morning. Father, that, we'll, that we will face our fears by having more trust in you, Lord. Lord, help us make the spiritual life the most important thing. Let us, let us find a way to add the spiritual element into everything we do to weave our conversation and our actions, our behavior, that will model as we mentor our children a life a a serious relationship with you. And Lord, help us trust your providence. You do work in mysterious ways and you do some incredible things. And Father, there's a lot of things you do we're not even aware of. But let us trust your providence, Father, with our children, with ourselves, knowing that in your hands we're safe, in your hands we're secure. Father, I know there's a lot of people sick. I know Janet McBride is doing better. Thank you. And I know Joel Jones is doing better. Thank you. Pray, Father, for those two, that you'll make them, you know, help them be better, back on their feet. Lord, I know there's others that have cancer, that are lonely, that are hurting. 
Father, I pray we pray for them. Father, give them help. Let them, Father, let, reward their trust in you with your help and joy. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.